<laughs> you want a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> we got a podcast. <laughs> All right. All right. So I'm up. We're going. Okay. Mark Bernardin. Hey. Welcome to the show. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you for being on time. <laughs> you know, do you, people are not always on time in Los Angeles, especially when they have to come to the Valley. No one wants to come to the Valley. No, it helps that I'm already in the Valley <laughs> and also unemployed. <laughs> so it was five I o'clock. You. I am pretty sure I can be there by five o'clock. <laughs> I have nothing else getting in the way. Before we uh, move forward, uh, tell people where they can find you online. Uh, let's see. I am on Instagram and Twitter at Mark Bernardin, M-A-R-C-B-E-R-N-A-R-D-I-N. Uh, and that's kind of about it. I kind of lurk on Tumblr, but I don't really interact because that gets weird because mm-hmm. Tumblr is just weird. <laughs> um, but yeah, I am I am most active on those two particular platforms. Okay, so this is going up in November, so I'm curious, is there anything you need to plug, anything you want to plug? Um, I think by November, I will, the last issue of Genius Cartel mm-hmm. will be hitting stands. I think the second Wednesday of the month, a comic book that I do for, for, uh, Image and Top Cow with my co-writer Adam Freeman and our artist Rosie Campy, Campy, not sure. I've never met her. So many, like, like with so many things in comics, there are collaborators you have never met, will never meet, live halfway around the world, <laughs> have never even heard her name pronounced before. Here's the question. Do you think, do you prefer that? Do you prefer, like, I, I give them the thing and they, they, they make it the thing. I don't have to worry about it. I, don't, I mean, like, it's, it's the dream of dreams would be to, like, <laughs> actually be able to collaborate with somebody. Like, right. that's the, that's, that is in my, in my, sort of view in my estimation the ideal world of it comics doesn't work like that anymore like there's so many international talents there's so much i mean the internet has made it so that you never have to actually even get on the phone with somebody right you know whereas you know i'm assuming that when you know (laughs) when alan moore's doing watchmen it's like hey dave so i got this crazy idea what if it's all like a nine panel grid that'd be great (laughs) Uh, th- those days are gone. So, quick paperwork. Uh, we're Tetris, so if you're listening on iTunes or any other podcatcher, first 20 minutes are going to be available for free. Uh, if you want the full episode, $1 over on Patreon, patreon.com slash wordtetris. $3 an episode uh, at patreon.com slash wordtetris will get you the full episode plus a bonus episode that we are going to record when this is done. Ooh, bonuses. Yes. <laughs> um, you can find me on twitter.com slash Bar, M-E-R-R-I-L-L-B-A-R, and that's the last thing I have to plug. So, Mark, yes. let's get into this. I have a question for you. Okay. So, I have been Shoot. I have been watching you talk on social media a lot about this the, your dream script. Mm. Um if I'm correct, the premise was that it's an alternate reality yes. where slavery never happened. Correct. Okay. So I don't want to talk about the creation of that, the first draft of that. Where mm. I'm curious is how many. First of all, how many drafts have you gone over on this thing? Uh, I think by now I'm on the eighth draft of it. Okay. Maybe uh, I'm anticipating at least one more before you know managers and agents and those kind of people are you know they, they've run out of problems <laughs> with it or run out of notes or issues with it but you know and for me rewriting is always like that's that's where the hard work is the first draft is the easy part right to a certain degree um but there's also the notes process is one where at least for me it's about what are you willing to do and what are you not willing to do? Mm-hmm. Like how much are you willing to bend before you feel like you're breaking the spine of what you're trying to do? Yes. And like what's what's additive and what's subtractive? Yes. Like, so so I have two a part two part thing I want to address. So the first mm-hmm. one is how do you do that 
when it's something that's so personal to you. And then after that, we're, I want to get into when you know it's something that no one's ever tried before and is so, it, I'd argue, socially important, something as important as that kind of story. But let's go with the personal first. Uh, so Because it seems like something that's very personal to you. It is. I mean, as, as with... You know, the, the the hope is that everything you write will be a little bit personal to you in one way or another. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know for yourself, hopefully, the reasons why you're writing. You know for yourself the reasons why you found the idea attractive. You know the reasons why other people are responding to it. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's, it's circling the wagons over the stuff that would explicitly speak to why you were excited to begin with. Mm-hmm. You know, what What was it about this idea that made it undeniable? What was it about this idea that made it something you had to write? Mm-hmm. And that's the thing you protect at all costs. You know, there's, a, there's executional stuff, there's character stuff that you say, well, listen, okay, I get it. This isn't working for you. This isn't landing as hard as you want it to, whatever. For you, what is that thing with this one? For me, that thing was, I did have one note, because most of it is set in, in Africa, mm-hmm. um, in the continent. and then it, It's modern day. And- it's modern day, present day. It's, mm-hmm. it's, you know, I suppose right now the, the comparison would be, what if Wakanda was an entire continent as opposed to just one country? Okay. Um, and what if all of the, the, the strife that you get, or at least you intimate in the, in the Black Panther trailer Mm -hmm. is on a more, um, continent wide basis? Mm -hmm. What if it's, what if Africa was broken up into like a parliamentary system where each country has a vote in a parliament and there's a queen and a king and a Royal family that sort of oversees it all. And it's a very politically charged atmosphere. It's a very, you know, it's like, what if it was Game of Thrones, but with a bunch of black people and no dragons? <laughs> and they all have cell phones. <laughs> so, so. You just sold it. That's the elevator pitch, man. <laughs> that's the elevator pitch. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> no dragons, but lots of black people. Um, and so for me, it's, you know, I had one note saying, hey, could this, we kind of thought that the bulk of the story would take place in America. And I said, well, no, mm-hmm. because that for me is not where the drama lies, and that also technically I think would defeat the purpose of right the, now, the concept. Right now, there's parts of the pilot and parts of the 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 imagined show that take place in America, and looking at what America is like had there never been a slave trade is fascinating, mm-hmm. and that that for me is the 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 glistening tapestry on the wall as opposed to the furniture in the room, and. I want to hint at that and I want to get at that and there's scenes in the pilot that takes place in America and you get to see what a little bit of that world feels like but that's not where the story is that's not what it's about mm-hmm. and and so for me it's you know it's when I was talking a little bit earlier again this November will feel like this will feel like ancient history but I was talking about the Black Panther trailer today mm-hmm. and which for, for context came out this morning came out this morning and the the reason why that trailer works for me, and that the same reason why the Man of Steel trailer worked for me, and Wonder Woman works for me, and and Avengers worked for me, and Justice League did not work for me, is because it knows what it's selling. Mm-hmm. It knows what it is, and it's selling you on a very specific thing. And Black Panther selling you on pride, like you know what it feels to see this on screen. Mm-hmm. You know, Wonder Woman was grace under fire. You know, Avengers was culmination. Man of Steel was hope. I feel like once you identify for yourself what your pilot is about, mm-hmm. that is the thing you protect. Do you always find that right away? Because I know I, on my most recent one, was went through this process of, and I go through this usually where I know what the base, I know what it, so it's funny you bring up what it's about, right? Because, all right, so I told the story a lot. 
Um, I will tell it again, just for Mark's Mark's context. Um, it's new to me. <laughs> um, I would go into meetings earlier in the year with my current sample, and I would sit down, and they would say, "It's good pilot, it's cool." Um, what's it about? Meaning, we know what it's about, but what is it? <laughs> About and I would right. say that I would say what it's about, which is something, and they would go, well, it's not here. It's not. I don't see it. We don't see it here. Uh, long story short, go through a bunch of rewrites, take a six month break from it, write something else, come back, and then kind of like did a bunch of more rewrites, and then all of a sudden, there's. I ended up with a, a one line sentence in the script at the very end of the script where I go. Oh, that's what it's about. <laughs> no, that's it's right. Oh, it's all in a sentence, and it, it fucks with everything. Like, okay, cool. Now, now it's on the page. Right. But I will also caught to, and this actually I haven't said on the show yet. Well, I knew what the show was about, which was this mystical. It's urban fantasy, mystical element. All this. I didn't know what it was about, mm-hmm. and I never know what this, what anything I write is really about. Rarely, um, once in a blue moon, I do. Um, but usually it's I don't know what it's about until about halfway into writing it. And then it's like it sort of unravels and like, oh, I know what the theme is now. I know what in my life is relating to these characters, even though my main character in this show is a teenage girl. Mm-hmm. Like, right? It's like I technically don't have anything to relate to, except I do because being young is being young. So, you know, when you're go- when you were in it on that, did you know what it was about and did you attack it that way? You know, I I sort of feel like the the more you write, and I by no means am some like salted veteran who's like, <laughs> I've been in the story trenches for 45 years. <laughs> let me tell you, when I worked for Donald Belisarius, and blah, 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 it's, you start I to- I love your old man. No, <laughs> I tell you, Stephen J. Kinnell told me this one time. He said, Jesus Christ, Mark, don't fucking hit the Frisbee with the dog. Hit the dog with the Frisbee. It's messy the other way. <laughs> like, if you do it enough, you start to trust yourself. Mm-hmm. And you start to trust that, that you know, the, the surface of it will betray something deeper beneath it. Mm-hmm. And the writing of it and the rewriting of it is part of that chipping through that surface to get to the deeper. And half the time for me, I don't get what the deeper is until I have to talk about it. Mm-hmm. You know, like on the page, you're just, you're kind of operating at some weird level of like, it's a trust fall between you and the words. And, and you just kind of- I love that. I love that and you way just, to put it. You yes. kind of go for it and yes. you trust that the, the writing will support you and you trust that, you know, if, you, if you've sort of engineered the story the right way, that the work is being done in ways that you can't possibly even understand. And then when you go back and like look at it and start rereading it and start talking about it to the people who you like your first readers, so what'd you think? Well, I liked A, B, C, D. I hated F through Z. And you start talking to your reps, you start talking to executives, you start loose pitching it to people. The more you do that, and once you find what you begin to talk about, like the 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 process of discussion helps you to get to Oh, this is why I keep talking about this part of it because right. it seems that this is what it's actually about. Right. Yeah, I had that like the, the one. So you mentioned like what they are about. Like the <laughs> the one that the one that I was talking about is about um, building your own destiny. Mm-hmm. Fuck telling destiny to go fuck itself. Basically, there is no such thing as pre preordained destiny. You only know it till like everyone says that after the fact. Right. Oh, they were. Of course, they did that. Well, no, it's not. Of course, they did shit. It's a <laughs> combination of things. Um, and that's what I end up talking. So I, I definitely think I understand what you're going for when you say something like that. Everything we talked about was the first draft. You moved forward. You went through all those discussions. Mm-hmm. So then, did the rewrite become focused in what that is? 
Um, I mean, my rewrites end up being uh, like eighty percent character based, you know, and 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 I, I will absolutely cop to it, and I know it for a fact. Like I, I am sort of a plot first writer. I am a what happens next because I'm a pulp guy. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a I'm a like you're burning through story and tell me what like I'm a comic book guy also. So it's hey, every twenty two pages, I'm going to get something new and something amazing. Mm-hmm. And so my rewrites are always about digging into character a little bit more and, and sort of excavating, you know, like I have the first level of who these guys are and what they want and the story will be presenting the obstacles for them. But mm-hmm. it's it's getting deeper under the hood. It's making sure that all the pistons are firing. It's making sure that all that stuff is working. So, you know, and in that process, you start to discover, oh, well, all right, well, this character was actually in love with that character, and I just had them as friends, but it's not working with them as friends. It needed more. It needed more history. It needed more whatever. It needed it, it needed more complication. It needed to be messier. You mm-hmm. know, like when you're, when you're writing plot first, everything's very clean. You know, everything is very, it's... it's A to B, B to C. It's machinery, yeah. you know, and, and part of me loves that. Part of me loves, it's like a heist. Like I love heist movies because it's, it's, it's magic is machinery. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, how did this work? Well... Here's the watch we built. <laughs> Here's where all the numbers are. And as long as everything meshes the right way, then you get a movie. But it's, it's, it's harder for me to see the messiness of it at first. Mm-hmm. And it's all about like, okay, well, no, the, the machinery works fine. Now, what if we drop it down a well? <laughs> you know, will, it, will the machinery still hold? Yes, but it'll be more interesting. It'll, be, it'll have more character yes. for, for the damage. Now, when you, now I want to go back to the second part of the mm-hmm. initial question, which mm-hmm. was, so that was what made it personal to you. Mm-hmm. Now, the story itself is a very important story. I would argue, based on the way you're describing it, I don't think I've seen that. Now we are getting into discussions these days of alternate realities, civil mm-hmm. war, and all that stuff. So you definitely fall into this line that's starting to come about. So when you're tackling something like this that has never been done before, and you've now written the first draft, which is which was all about your personal attachment to it, but now you know, well, shit, this is something that matters. This isn't just this isn't just my little genre sample that's fun <laughs> and cool. It's like no, this is important. When does that weigh, in, weigh into things, or does it weigh into things? I mean, I I, I try not to let it weigh into things. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't I don't want to pre-sell anything even to myself. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I feel like if you're super precious about you know the work, if you're super, if you think that a thing is important, that very designation can sort of pummel you into into stillness mm-hmm. and and impotence in a way. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's. I am still, like I said, I'm still a pulp writer. So it's if I'm even going to do some giant alternate history, you know, alternate universe thing where slavery never happened, or if you're doing something like, you know, Handmaid's Tale or Man in the High Castle, whatever that is, there's the cultural relevance, and then there's the does the story work, mm-hmm. you know? And I I have no control over cultural cultural relevance. I mean, I would like to think that if anybody ever gets to see this besides me, you know, they would respond to it as anybody does. Well, you have said that people are responding to it. I mean, at least you're taking meetings on it. Like it's being used as the sample that got you Castle Rock. Right. Like it's, but it's in the writing of it. Mm -hmm. It was, who knows if anybody will ever see this? Who knows if it will ever carry any weight? Who knows how much, you know, water this thing can hold? Mm -hmm. I just want to make it as good as I can make it yes. so that it will do the work that I need it to do for me, mm-hmm. which is sell, yay, almost <laughs> never, or B, get me a job, which is equally yay because employment is cool. Yeah. Um, 
you know, and so now that people are seeing it and reading it and responding to it, like that's that that's affirmative in a in a great way, but it doesn't it didn't bear any impact on the genesis of it. Okay. Because that's that's a hard that's a hard thing to have to wrestle with. Right. Well, it's just that normally, you know, when I think about the things that are the samples that every experienced writer I know who who, have, who has been in been the game for a while has that one script where it's like it's either the script that always gets some work or it's a script that they like. It's the script they dream about. Mm-hmm. Like I got a friend, uh, McBentoncourt, who will be on this show later. He's got a script that I read, but it was like basically a very fictionalized version of his life growing up in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And it's very, you read it, it's so, it's painful to read, but in like that good way. Mm-hmm. Um and there's other scripts like that where they have people have those like uh, John Rogers was talking about this script. His his script is like a, ni- a script about 1930 Shanghai, mm-hmm. um, and it's like we, so everyone's got that. So obviously this similar one seems to be yours. Um, and so in that respect, do you know that at first, or is it does that does you, do you realize after the fact it's like oh this is like my thing. This is the thing. Uh, I mean, I knew going into it that this was that thing um, because I'd been afraid of this idea for a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, like I had this idea like a decade ago and much like Clint Eastwood put Unforgiven in a drawer because he didn't think he was old enough to play the character. Mm-hmm. I I knew I wasn't ready to write it. Like I knew that this was a bigger idea than I was prepared for. It, it would require more of me than I was equipped to give. And possibly more life experience? More life experience. I was afraid of the research, you know, like unlike space adventures when you're making everything up, this was okay. Now I gotta, I gotta build this world that has to feel real and has Mm -hmm. to feel like the real world and has to have modern day equivalencies, but also feel a little bit different. And I got, I got lost for a couple of years in the magnitude of it in just the scope of it. And, uh, but you know, like three years ago, I think I had, uh, I'd got signed an agent, you know, they, they read a script that I liked and they started sending me on meetings and nothing ever clicked. And I got really close to just, you know, like I was at the time, I was like 43 years old. Is this after, um, Alphas? This is out after Alphas okay. in the, in the middle of the like five year gulf between Alphas and Castle Rock mm-hmm. where I didn't get staffed and desperately wanted to, and it just didn't happen. And, you know, I had gotten to the point of, all right, I'm going to write Every script was the last script I was going to write. Mm-hmm. And if nothing happens with the script, then I will just go and be a journalist. I have a pretty decent career as a journalist mm-hmm. that I I should be totally happy doing. Like, why aren't you happy doing this? Well, you want to be a writer. Okay, well, how long can you keep chasing a dream that never seems to come true? And how irresponsible are you prepared to be to the rest of your life in the efforts of chasing this dream. And so I would always... Meaning your family, your children. Meaning family and children and career and like, I got to pay rent. I got to, like, I am too old to do that. Like, I'm 23 years old, living in a studio with nine guys. Yay, I'm going to be a writer. <laughs> like, I got 80 bucks a month of rent. And First of all, just... that's not dream chasing, that's an orgy. <laughs> <laughs> its own special kind of dream, depending on where you're from. But, you know, it was how long am I going to keep trying to reach for the brass ring if mm-hmm. I'm never going to get it? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, every script that I had written was the last one I wrote. If nothing happens off of this, then I won't do it anymore. The pilot I'd written before New York Academy. To hear the rest of this episode, head on over to patreon.com slash word Tetris.